Please join me in prayer. Oh Lord, open our eyes that we may see you. Open our ears that we may hear you. Open our hearts that we may feel you. Holy Spirit, come. We invite you here. Amen. I really don't like crowded places. I really don't. But these days, I dream of going to really crowded places. You know, like a concert or a football game or a crowded beach or a state fair. Places where I can feel people's energy, feel connected and alive. As the pandemic continues, social isolation is taking a huge toll on everyone. Surveys suggest that within the first month of COVID, loneliness increased by 20 to 30% and emotional distress tripled. While coronavirus may have killed tens of thousands of people, social isolation, online learning, inability to be with in the hospital room with your loved ones or adequately celebrate weddings or hold funerals have zapped life out of all of us. The things that once gave us joy in life because we were able to share it with others have come to a screeching halt. We've all felt at one point or another in the past six months, life getting choked out of us or our loved ones by the virus or by the isolation caused by the virus or by the fear of the virus, all rendering us lifeless. Lifeless, or close to lifeless, is where we find two characters in our gospel reading today. One is a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. She doesn't even have a name. She is identified by her disease. Jesus is on his way to raise a 12-year-old girl to life. We're told that she's 12 in the other gospels. A daughter of someone very important, someone with a name. Jairus. It doesn't say in our Matthew text today, but both Mark and Luke name him as Jairus. He's a high-ranking synagogue leader. A huge crowd is following them. His daughter has just died and there's no time to stop. And here's the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, a woman without a name at the lowest rung of the society. She shouldn't even be in the crowd. A menstruating woman was considered ritualistically unclean and couldn't touch another person, let alone a man, until the bleeding stopped. But she's been bleeding nonstop for 12 years. That meant several things. She probably had no children or husband if she had been bleeding for that long. She was socially isolated because she was considered unclean. A woman who was cut off from her family and society had absolutely nowhere to go during Jesus' time. Imagine being socially isolated for 12 years. If depression went, on, went up by 20 to 30 percent and emotional distress tripled in just the first month of the pandemic due to social isolation, just imagine what 12 years of social isolation must have done to the woman. To make the matter even worse, in the Gospel of Mark, it mentions that she spent all she had on the doctors to heal her, but she only grew worse. Not only is she socially shunned, she's also financially broke. And yet, 
she hears about Jesus and brings herself to where he is. Even after 12 years of being sick and isolated, she hasn't given up hope. She's in the crowd and finally musters enough courage to touch the edge of his cloak. And when she does, her bleeding stops. She is healed. Interestingly, Jesus turns around and sees her and doesn't say, I have made you well, or God has made you well. He says, your faith has made you well. Faith becomes the agency in her healing process. Faith becomes the key to being made well. And faith always chooses life. If blood symbolized life in Jesus' world, and it did, as it also does today, then you can say that life had been slowly draining out of her for 12 years, rendering her almost lifeless. Socially, financially, spiritually, and physically, she was becoming lifeless. It would have been so much easier for her to say, I give up. I choose defeat and death rather than life because they are so much closer to me than life right now. Whatever I do, lifeblood just keeps draining out of me. But even through 12 years of getting life drained out of her, she doesn't say that. Rather, she says to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be made well. If I only connect to Jesus, I will be made well. If I only connect to the life source, I will have life. Her faith allows her to step out in faith and choose life. And that, my friends, takes courage. It took courage for Jairus, a high-profile synagogue leader, to come and kneel before Jesus, an unconventional religious nobody, in front of a huge crowd so that his daughter can be raised to life. It took great amount of courage for the unclean woman to reach out and touch a man, a holy man at that. It took courage for Abraham and Sarai to leave their home and go where God told them to go. They had to act on faith that God will bless all nations through them. It took courage for Moses to go to Pharaoh to let his people go. It took courage for Jeremiah to stop saying, I'm only a boy, and to speak God's truth against wickedness of his people and systems of injustice. They had to step out in faith and choose life. In Deuteronomy 30, 19, Moses says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. How long have you been part of something that has been draining life out of you? When was the last time you chose convenience over life? When was the last time you chose toxic relationship over life? When was the last time you chose shame over life? When was the last time you chose to be silent in the face of injustice over life? When was the last time you chose doubts about your worthiness or standing in your family or society over being made well. Faith is about having the courage to choose life 
again and again, just like the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. But too many times we don't give ourselves the permission to dream and imagine a future that's different from the one we have because we're afraid of rejection, uncertainty, repercussion. We don't give ourselves the permission to choose life because we don't think we're worth it, because we think it's too risky, because you fill in the blank. The woman who had been bleeding for 12 years could have easily said any and all of those things, yet, yet, she gave herself permission to reach out and touch Jesus. Nobody, nobody in that crowd would have or could have given her that permission. In fact, if she had asked, none of them would have encouraged her to reach out and touch him. What permission are you giving yourself today to step out in faith and choose life? And when you choose life, that's when you hear Jesus calling the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, daughter. This is the only time Jesus calls someone a daughter in the Gospels. She finally means something to somebody. She's no longer defined by her disease, but by a relationship. Just as Jairus loves and embraces all 12 years of his daughter and his faith that she'll be healed, Jesus embraces all 12 years of his daughter's suffering, pain, bleeding, loneliness, and rejection, and says to her, whatever you believe about yourself, Whatever the world tells you about who you are, whatever life you've lived until now. Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. The bleeding woman is now somebody's daughter, connected to her father, connected to a family, connected and restored to her rightful place in her society. And as a result, both daughters and Jairus wake up to a different reality than the one they had known before. God's reality. That regardless of whether you are a high-profile synagogue leader or an unclean nobody, both have a fair chance at choosing life, one for herself and the other for his daughter. And sometimes we're like Jairus's daughter. We've fallen asleep and can't choose life for ourselves, can't have agency in being made well. And that's when others with faith step in to choose life for us. Is there someone in your life who is waiting to be made well by your faith? Are there people in our world today who need to come to life by our faith? How would our world be made well? And how would our church be made well if we identified people by our relationship to them and with them as family, rather than by their diseases or all the things and ways that are wrong with them. I hope and pray that this reality will become ours, even during this deeply divided and contentious election year by having leaders in our country like Jairus, who step out in faith for their daughters, for all of our nameless daughters who are at the lowest rung of our society. And sometimes 
nothing might be physically different about our situation, even when we step out in faith. After all, Abraham never got to see his offspring like the countless stars in the sky, and Moses never entered the promised land. But when we choose life, we realize that we have been made well on the inside, even if no visible change has taken place on the outside. I heard a moving story of a person of deep faith who was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease when he was still in his 50s. He and his wife prayed that he might be healed. 20 years later, in the last debilitating stages of the disease, he said that his prayers have been answered. He said in all sincerity, I have been healed, not of Parkinson's disease, but I have been healed of my fear of Parkinson's disease. You see, when we choose life, sometimes we realize that what we needed was a healing on the inside rather than on the outside. My sisters and brothers, know that you have been made well when you step out in faith and choose life and choose life for others. May you choose life today and always. You have been made well. Now go in peace. Amen.